Okay, hey, Kevin? Kevin, go get a kombucha. Just step out for a sec. You just give us a Okay, we're good. I've never wanted to have sex with a pot pie, but like, I'd have sex with that pot pie. <laughs> we're all weak to stepping on nails. Let me preface this by saying I wrote a script. Daytona Beach is like two mild inconveniences for being a post-apocalyptic wasteland anyway. So many of my tabs say semen. Are you guys ready for this weird horny adventure that we're all about to go on? You can't handcuff me for skanking. This motherfucker gaslights you. Diet Coke and Sorrow will be chapter four. And against all odds, Kyle, we became those swirly weirdos. This whole podcast is a very negative mouthfeel. Hello, and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how the fact that Marvel kept being on the payroll a secret this far is nothing shy of a miracle. Wait, what? We can't say anything else about that because it's a big spoiler. It is a huge spoiler. What's the spoiler for? We can't say anything else. <laughs> well, by the time this comes out, it may not be a spoiler. Actually, it won't be a spoiler. Hang is on, it a spoiler? We're gonna, we're what is it a spoiler this. for? I don't know what we're talking about. This this comes out. Oh, this comes out four days before that episode. <laughs> Boo! Boo, Todd! Boo, Whoops. Todd! Um. Anyway, Matt, you can cut this. Uh, do you guys want to know what the spoiler is? Yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> I forget. I forget the details. Is this the uh, is in the post credit scene of Slorner, and he is playing Zoe, aka Scarface, which is and they kept it like a big secret until the premiere night. That's the character's name. Variety spoiled it. It will be. I'm sure they will not refer to him as It's a big deal that it got spoiled too. Yeah, it's really. It was a really uncool thing to do. Anyway, Matt, you can cut that. You can leave it. I don't know. All right. Hey, friends, we've somehow made it through another Spooktacular Express, and thus we get to return to our regularly scheduled programming. That is to say, we've got new nerdy questions to solve and answer. So let me let me guess. You guys all downloaded and played Sad Satan, and you've, you've seen every, you've investigated every corner of, of Sad Satan. I died. I'm, I'm recording this from hell now. Because uh, Andrew yeah. made me watch Sad Satan. <laughs> I'm still dealing with the fact that we decided that Luigi didn't save Harambe, and that's what caused all the problems <laughs> in life. <laughs> well, mere days from now, on November 12th, we're all getting a hot injection of new MCU content on Disney Plus Day. If you recall last year, this was the day that we got heads up on all the major Disney Plus projects that we've been enjoying this year and ones to come. So that would be... WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, Miss Marvel, Secret Invasion, Moon Knight, um, She-Hulk, all those things. All announced. Um, we either got them or we're looking forward to them. It was the first the first hit of serotonin we had gotten all COVID quarantine. Like, yeah, it, the Internet was a buzz for for a month because of this announcement. It was wild. Well, so here's the issue. Wouldn't you know it? Kevin Feige came to me the other day and he said, Todd. <laughs> We forgot to plan anything in Phase 5 Disney Plus lineup, and only the nerds that debate this can get me out of this here pickle. So My good friend Todd Thomas. Yeah. It's me, Kevin Feige. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, here. So here we are again, bailing out Kevin Feige. You know, we, we just got to do him a solid. You're close friends Feige with Kevin name. Feige, and you still don't pronounce his last name right? What's with you in that soft G? Only his close friends can can use the soft G, Matt. Only, only his if... close friends can call him the Fige. <laughs> it's the complete opposite of what you actually thought. I said it correctly because I'm a close friend. You are saying it 
wrong. Mm, that's how Cretans pronounce it. Every day he t- he calls Todd and says, Todd, my good friend, I just wish people would pronounce my name right with a soft G instead of a hard <laughs> My good one. friend, Todd Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, it's like if someone calls you looking for Matthew. You, it's a red flag. You know they're wrong. It's true. They're not correct. Or they're my mother. <laughs> well, so anyway, now since we're going to have uh, old KF, we're going to help him out today. Uh, bringing in the best possible concept to make the mouse another jillion dollars today is Kyle Doug Days Harper, Andrew Chippendale Parklife Henderson, and Matt the Mysterious Benedict Society Cole. I got nothing. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, they're all Disney Plus shows that none of us have watched. They're and I'm all assuming... hit Disney Plus shows, guys. Come on. And I'm assuming the last <laughs> oh, one really? is a is a Being John Mal- Malkovich type show with starring Benedict Cumberbatch. I literally, it's <laughs> I not. It's not at all. Um, and I have no idea what it actually is. No one is. No one watches them. If that existed, I would. I would have already <laughs> watched it. It'd been not an argument. Well, so here we are. So nerds, we need a new, fresh Disney Plus series to throw into this phase five lineup in the next few years. And it's got to focus around a character we have not seen yet. So what I need you to do is to tell us a little bit about the character you're pitching. And then, you know, what other heroes or villains are coming with them? Kyle, why don't you start us off? Um, yeah, Matt, uh, Matt, Todd. Yeah, Todd. <laughs> um, yes, Matt. We are, we are pitching today a very self-aware kind of musical show as well. So it's going to be, it's going to be that weird cross-section of like things people don't know what that they want until we give it to them that WandaVision was. So this is going to be a Josie and the Pussycats style live action rock and roll mystery of the week featuring the X-Men, X-Man, X-Person, Dazzler with the plucky death-defying dancer Longshot (laughs) um, as part of their, their touring dance crew. Um, and we'll be going up against the villain Mojo, who you don't know about yet, but I'll be happy to tell you about in a future question. Uh, real quick, Kyle, if I were to go to the Marvel database, marvel.fandom.com, of course. Yes, And of course. look up Longshot. What do you think one of the aliases of Longshot is? And oh, I didn't are you guessing? At... Are you guessing Leatherboy? Because Leatherboy <laughs> is one no. of the aliases. Wait. <laughs> Hold on. That only makes his inclusion more apt um that only strengthens my resolve to include long shot in this show it certainly aligns with the rock and roll mystery tour idea you've got going on yep yeah i have questions about i dazzler i get dazzler i understand so long shot is um depending on the continuity from mojo world a citizen of mojo world a interdimensional tv dimension where everything is focused okay. on television ratings, and um, it is ruled by the villain Mojo. Um, and we'll we'll get more into it in the future. But Longshot has the power of luck, where if, as long as he is attempting something, he will achieve the most lucky outcome of of what he is attempting, which leads to a lot of stunts and flips and and cool knife tricks that allow him to be. A valuable asset to the X-Men or Dazzler's dance troupe. The idea that there is a world based on TV ratings definitely sounds like some entertainment writer was working through some stuff. Uh, yeah, someone someone definitely was working through some stuff. Mojo World was developed in the late 80s, early 90s when everyone was like, television's the worst, am I right? And 
they were right. And here we are today in 2021. <laughs> okay, so two things, two things specifically about Dazzler. Thing one, didn't realize until today that Dazzler and Jubilee were two different people. Thought those were two Common names for the same mutant. <laughs> yep. My bad. Second off, a Google search of Marvel's Dazzler has reminded me that Dazzler was in the Dark Phoenix movie. And I don't know if anybody but me saw it, but she was there. I tried. That's all I know about <laughs> Todd, Dazzler. Well, Todd saw half of it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, I also remember there was a rumored casting of her that was going to be a pretty big name. Um, and it didn't happen. <laughs> I thought Dazzler was a man. Who am I thinking of? Uh, I don't um, know, but I Googled Dazzler and it said Dazzler is a superhero with the power of disco. And so I'm kind of in. <laughs> Dazzler was was created as a joint venture between Marvel Comics and Casablanca Records that ended up falling through. So they were going to create this like oh, wow. fake pop star to sell comic books and records together. And the, the record side fell through. But Marvel was like, screw it we'll have a disco light show superhero anyway and put her in the x-men and um has since has moved on from disco and is now a more like alt punk rock Mm. type there's a show about that right gem and the holograms wasn't that a movie about that exact same concept (laughs) yeah but this one's tied to the mcu matt okay (laughs) (laughs) josie and the pussycats is very similar as well We're, we're not we're not reaching for new new source material. We're reskinning old ones because we're Disney. Dazzler definitely had an Owl City phase. Um, any anyway, uh, okay. So we've got your kind. I'm just stuck thinking about uh, Josie and the Pussycats now. Um, yep. So we've got that kind of fun. Uh, the gang goes on adventures. Feel Andrew. What did you bring for us today? Right. So I'm going to talk today about Raven Darkholm, aka Mystique. Now I know what you're thinking. Yes, we have done Raven. We've done a lot of Mystique. Mystique is is by no means a stranger to mainstream audiences. Um, Kevin was, told she, me that we have, in fact, not done Mystique, and we forget about anything that has uh, been yes, done with Mystique ever before. Yeah, the Foxiverse doesn't <laughs> exist. Well, not yet. Yeah, so the Fox movies did happen. And just so for listeners know, uh, Mystique was featured in most of the Fox movies. We they, uh, She was first portrayed by Rebecca Romaine in the original trilogy, which are we calling those movies the original trilogy? Is that a thing? That's what I call them. Yeah. Okay. For lack of a better I term. I hate that I have to do that. Yeah. 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 Um, and then later by Jennifer Lawrence in the second trilogy or the The movies class saga. All the yeah, movies all after the other X3. <laughs> yeah. And and in both of those, Mystique was kind of a loner. Um, kind of a wild card. I would say the only exception was probably her how she was in first class, but I didn't really like how they did Mystique in First Class, so we're not going to talk about that too much. Mystique in First Class was Mystique in name and powers only. Like Mystique in First very, Class was a mistake. Yeah, very <laughs> weird characterization. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so fast forward. We Now, we already know that X-Men are eventually coming over the MCU. We don't really know how or in what way. It's also been established already that we're going to have some anti-hero vehicles. Disney Plus is going to be no stranger to weird off-color stories. So, I think this is the perfect time for a good old-fashioned heist action thriller. (laughs) So, this series is going to feature Mystique attempting to take down a massive criminal empire who are running the lawless island of Madripoor, who, listeners may remember, was originally introduced in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, Together with her blind, prophetic, will-they-won't-they-love interest, Irene Adler, a.k.a. Destiny, 
along with hot-headed renegade John Allardyce, a.k.a. Pyro, and a down-on-her-luck teen with a mysterious power, they'll show Madripoor what it means to be a mutant. Tagline. We didn't get a name for the last, the down-on-her-luck teen? Does, uh, does well, we learned that, well, we'll learn about, well, I'll get into it when I get into the story, but uh, her name is Anna Marie. Okay. All right. That doesn't um, mean I, anything to anyone. Mm-mm. Nope. Okay. Um, Ke- Kevin Kevin has informed me that uh, contrary to what you said, we do know exactly when the mutants are entering into the Marvel Universe. So no. he wanted me to tell you you're wrong, um, but he but he's he's nodding along with what you're saying so far. I know so little about the the rumors that I don't know if you're doing a bit or you're telling me the <laughs> truth right now. Anything is anything in comics, baby. He's doing a bit, but I'm a little bit mad that you brought Madripoor into this already because I now need to change the answers to some of my questions. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, well, we're ready for another completely unique idea. Matt, what, what do you have? Oh, boy, Todd, let me tell you about the Goonies meeting Veronica Mars in this girl-powered <laughs> whodunit starring the one and only Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Now, did he say dinosaur? Oh boy, listener, he did say dinosaur. <laughs> Listen, the MCU is getting real weird right now. We're doing the whole multiverse thing. We've got dragons in Shang-Chi. We've got whatever's happening in Spider-Man No Way Home. Well, I heard, Matt, you're in that one, aren't you? I yeah, might yeah, be. <laughs> I'm waiting for the day. But listen, what the MCU really needs is to be grounded in reality. Something that viewers can latch onto and say, I've seen that before. I know that from my real world. And thus, Todd, dinosaurs. We are introducing <laughs> Devil Dinosaur to the MCU via Disney Plus alongside his new partner, Moon Girl. Uh, because it turns out Devil Dinosaur was created in the 70s. Didn't know that, but has been reintroduced in all new, all different Marvel. And we're going to follow along with that storyline as Devil Dinosaur and Moon Girl hijinks their way through New York City and save the day in the face of an unlikely foe. Now, Matt. Now, you said, I have a couple questions, if I may, Todd. One, you said you, you compared it to Goonies, which tells me there's a pirate ship involved, but then you cast it and set it in New York City. Do those two things contradict each other in any way? Is there a pirate ship in this? Okay, so I'm going to say negatory on the pirate ship. However, the bit of Goonies that I was going for was the, like, comedic schluff your way through at heist against a ragtag group of hooligan villains who you will meet later on. Okay. So, Matt, did we do the same thing? We did the same thing. We did a very similar thing today. We're all doing the same thing. Um, I'm not sorry about that. Follow-up question, Matt. The only dinosaur I am familiar with in Marvel canon is from the meme, the Spider-Man meme, uh, where he says, "I but I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs. Is that Devil Dinosaur, or is that a different dinosaur man entirely? That is a different dinosaur man entirely. Um, I know of a lot more dinosaurs in the, M- or in the Marvel canon now than I did four hours ago. Um, <laughs> but Devil Dinosaur is not is not the guy who could cure cancer but wants to turn the world into dinosaurs, no. This is the red dinosaur, right? This is the red (laughs) dinosaur. This is the red T-Rex-looking dinosaur, yes. I think you've brought him up before. Todd has brought him up before. Oh, Todd has, okay. Um, Got it, yeah, this is familiar. I am taking notes um, to present back to Kevin when we're done. 
Um, and I just want I want you to help me, Matt. My note says grounded in reality, familiar to what people are are used to. Uh-huh. And then I have dinosaur with a question mark behind it. Yep. Um, Matt, do you are you aware this is real? Like there is a mar- there is a moon girl and devil dinosaur show. Well, so the devil dinosaur <laughs> like it exists. Devil dinosaur shows up a whole bunch in Hulk and the Agents of Smash. Um they've been trying really hard to push Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur on Marvel animation, but we need to do it in the MCU. Got it. Yeah, I'm I'm just reading a press release saying that it's got like it's got a it's a thing. It exists. No, I I think you're you're confusing <laughs> You're, okay, uh, honest confusion. You're confusing this with Moon Dragon because that sounds similar to Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur, and that's Drax's daughter, which is rumored to show up. That's what you're getting confused with. I, I don't think he is. I think no. no there's I'm, Marvel's no. Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur <laughs> is a confirmed animated project for 2022. That looks, that looks like a lot of fun. But we are doing this <laughs> as cute. a live action MCU property, which there are plenty of existing things that are both in Marvel animation and also the MCU. It's different universes. We can do this. Fair. Okay. Well, so you've kind of started to to get into this. I'd love to know more. So as you know, the best series and and even movies that we have right now, um, so says uh, K-Funk, is that all of our great stories, they come from just like a bit of source material. There's always some tie back to the source material. So if you could... Um, what story will you be telling? And, you know, what is that source material or comic run that you are pulling from to influence your your series? So, Todd, while the first half of season one will be your standard mystery of the week style thriller, um, you know, Dazzler and Longshot show up in a new town to give a concert. They can't give a concert <laughs> because reason um, so they, they find the reason it's a, a, a C D tier level Marvel villain. They beat them and and then close out with a, a hit song that will soar to number one on iTunes this week. The mid-season break will introduce viewers to internet influencer Mojo and his Mojo World brand. Um, Mojo is going to in this going to run a TMZ style online outlet. And after a compromising image of Dazzler makes its way around the internet, Mojo decides to make Dazzler Mojo World's featured star and begin a harassing and doxing campaign of our hero. She's going to deal with that for a few episodes when she will be, yep, there's Mojo here in our in our group chat. That is an accurate depiction of him and Todd's face is amazing. Oh, It is a f- offensive. He looks like a Redditor. He, yeah. He, he looks kind of like if the ghost from Ghostbusters got mixed up with the bad guy from Will Smith's Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> so Excellent. after um, ruining Dazzler's life for a few weeks, you know, um, getting shows canceled, just trying to start con- tr- controversy, he decides to take it the final step and drive traffic to his site the best way he can think of. Uh, by kidnapping Dazzler and for- and Longshot and forcing them to compete in a series of games that are a lot like Squid Game, but legally distinct from Squid Game. <laughs> and for viewers at home who, yes, can't see uh, this picture of Mojo, he is um, actually a creature, he is a, an alien 
uh, called the Spineless. The race is called the Spineless. He is the leader of this alien world and is a very grotesque take on a television executive. He was concepted as a monstrous version of a television executive. (laughs) Yep, looks a lot like uh, J.T. Waternoose from uh, Monsters, Inc., or this other thing that I don't... That is... From League of Legends. Uh, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> yeah, listeners who, who might remember our League of Legends uh, flavor text, uh, Urgot. Looks like Urgot. Sure. Um, he looks like a absolute delightful villain. Yeah. He's he's going to be real gross and just make you feel, feel real icky every time he comes on screen, because that's who he is. This is going to be a more mature show, by the way. This is not going to be a... <laughs> Little, this is gonna be a little more than your PG thirteen fare. Um, he's uh. he's gonna be real uncomfortable and 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 real upsetting every time you see him. I don't like him. I was waiting for anyone to ask more questions. I don't. About what that I don't want to know anything more about Mojo. <laughs> I don't like him. I personally have nothing else to say. Fair. Um, let's let's move on past the unsettlingness of uh, of Mojo, Andrew. Uh, where where are you bringing us some source material from? Okay, so um, the source material I'm pulling from is from the X-Men run, is from the X-Men arc of Days of Future Past. Now, I know what you're going to say. Kevin has <laughs> Kevin is standing behind me, hands on my shoulders. Now, I, I realize that there is a movie called X-Men Days of Future Past. <laughs> We're not doing that. The movie obviously pulled a lot from that storyline, and I'm not suggesting that we rehash anything that already lives in that movie. However, there's a lot from the original Days of Future Past that was either heavily changed or not included at all. Most of that is what was going on with Mystique. So in the original comic, I think this is kind of interesting. For anybody that doesn't know, Days of Future Past was a very small, only like I think it was only two issues, um, very small but very isolated story arc that ran in the X-Men, uh, ran in X-Men 1981. And Days of Future Past in the comics is actually the opposite of the way they did it in the movie, where it was 1981, present day, when they ran it, and Kitty Pride was actually sent back in time from the future, rather than, like, we start in the present and we go, or whatever. Mm, yeah, got it. And Kitty Pride wasn't the one, wasn't sending Wolverine back. Kitty mm-hmm. Pride was sending herself back. So we have, like, present-day X-Men, or Kitty Pride, current, present-day Kitty Pride just joined, and then, like, adult version of Kitty Pride shows up, is like, everything's bad! <laughs> So she informs the then 19-era, present-day era X-Men that in her time, years from now, Mystique will have led the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to assassinate Senator Kelly, which obviously does happen in the movie. But in addition to Senator Kelly, Senator Kelly it's uh, Professor X and Moira and Ta- McTaggart. Um, and then that's the Sentinels, yada, yada, yada. So we're, we're going to cut all the time-traveling stuff, and instead we're going to build on the idea of Mystique kind of building up the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So since this group has only been led by Magneto in the movies, felt like the MCU version can be a different type of brotherhood and can be kind of like a rambunctious rambunctious crew of antiheroes led by uh, an older, more confident mystique. This is a mystique who's already made her mistakes and has already learned from them. She knows who she is and she has no one to please but herself. She's just here looking to have a good time and sow some chaos in a fun Venom 1, not Venom, let there be carnage kind of way. Um, we're, hey, we're, hang on. What's that, Kevin? You want? No, I, he didn't say. You, you want me to ask him? He. Um, I hate this. 
Andrew, real quick, um, I just, for no good reason, I have to ask this question. How much does your plot count on Hugh Jackman slash Wolverine? That's the best part. Zero. Kevin, you said zero? That's the right, yeah. Okay, we're good. I just had to. I just, <laughs> All right. I had to ask so, that question um, under my own accord, my own my own decision to ask that question. So tell the K man that, that we're we're good. Here's here's my pitch. So our story begins with Raven, aka Mystique, infiltrating a shady biotech lab. She's communicating with another person, as in these types of movies tend to do, saying like "I'm in," you know, all that whole thing. Um, she does the whole hitman thing where she shapeshifts as one guard to slip past another and then probably kills him because whatever. Um, eventually, she ends up in the center of the facility, finds what she's looking for, a small vial stashed behind several lines of lasers. She does her best to morph her body to fit between the lasers, but of course sets off the alarm and is quickly ambushed by a team of guards with the, all, the same iconic tattoo of a monkey. We've seen this monkey in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's the brass monkey from Magipore, but she doesn't know that. Mm. She's yelling in her communication device for extraction. Eric, extraction point. Eric, fade to black. Two years later, two years have gone by. Ravens is living in a maximum security women's prison. We, we're introduced to her best friend and next door cell neighbor, Irene Adler. The two, um, Irene Adler is also blind and uh, can see prophecies or can tell the future. It's not clear. Um, <laughs> The two share some light, witty banter about talking about how Magneto abandoned Raven two years ago. She's done with him. Whatever. It, let, we're moving on. Just then, a new prisoner shows up on the cell block. This weird teenage girl from Louisiana that goes by the name of Anna and is very weird about personal space. Also, she wears gloves. Do you know who this is? It's it's Rogue. It's Rogue. Ah. We're doing a Rogue. Is question question from the audience. Yeah, Matt. Anna Paquin. Yes, no? Uh, unfortunately, no, uh, we're not doing Anna Paquin. What's that, Kevin? Uh, you want to? You wanna, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, wait, we're no. done with this bit. No, no. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, apparently we're not doing Anna Paquin. Uh, we're not doing Anna Paquin. The way it is. I really liked Anna Paquin as Rogue. She yeah. was one of the I best. Really like Anna Paquin. Very much yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. That's I why I asked. Her. I really liked a Rogue. Yeah. Um, much like doing doing a rogue, there's probably a scene where some guard gets too close to 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 rogue, and she starts unwittingly draining his life, and then all hell breaks loose. Right? Um, Raven will come and defuse the situation. That's when they become friends. Okay. So later that night, Irene wakes up from a, har- a harrowing nightmare and is screaming, "Brass monkey!" That I almost said that funky monkey. <laughs> <laughs> we all did it, Andrew. Yep. Uh, the antidote is in Matripore. That's our that's our exposition. The, uh, the guards arrive to take her to solitary confinement, but not before Raven hears it. Together, Raven and Anna use their powers to break Irene out of solitary, and with their powers combined, escape the prison altogether in search of Madripoor and the Brass Monkey. Their investigation leads them to the island of the brass, the island and the aforementioned Brass Monkey Pub, where we see Selby, who was that woman that they meet at the bar in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. She's there to make to connect the universes. Um, she informs them of this lab that's rife with the same prototype serum that Raven had tried to steal two years ago. We don't need to explain why they're looking for the serum. It doesn't really matter at this point. So the three of them infiltrate the lab and find records leading to a number of seemingly unrelated names. We see Secretary Pierce, General Ross, Peggy Carter. They learn that the project was abandoned by S.H.I.E.L.D., but then later picked up by some un- other unknown patron using the alias, and I'm sorry for this, but the alias is R. Kelly. We're going to talk about why. <laughs> what's, We're going to talk what's about that, why. What's that, Kevin? What's that? <laughs> you think that's ter- terrible? I, 
You you want me to tell him to not do it? Tell tell K man, just give me a second. Let me let me let me do the reveal, and then we'll 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 make the decision afterward. Um. Yep. I'm almost done. Okay. <laughs> so, they find offshore bank account records connecting to all kinds of shady figures like the Kingpin and Wen Wu from Shang Chi. So now we have our plot. Raven and her team are going up against the Hand for control of Madripoor and to eradicate this dangerous serum. So then the rest of the season, the gang is just knocking off lieutenants of the Hand one by one. Um, and at some point, the gang will also re- encounter and subsequently recruit the hot-headed comic relief of the show, uh, one John Allardyce, also known as Pyro, who I mentioned earlier. And that's our show. Real quick, Andrew, uh, this is this is coming from Todd, friend of yours, Todd, mm-hmm. Andrew. You referenced Falcon and the Winter Soldier a lot. A lot, um, yeah. A lot. Mm-hmm. And and I, I have to say... Um, I I knew this was your favorite series, um, <laughs> and and I'm just I'm just I, do you? I guess I'm just curious. Do you think that you're gonna pull off a, a better short run series than Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Because I'm not sure well, Todd, if that is. I need you to do me a favor. I need you to earmuff old K Man over there. Can you okay, do that for me, Ke- Kevin? Kevin, go get a kombucha. Just step out for a sec. <laughs> you just give us a move. Okay, we're good. Okay, so. I would like very much to this show to write the sins of its father, a.k.a. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Listen, out of that however many hours show that was, there was at least a good hour and a half. <laughs> Thank you. That's accurate. Matt. Todd. I, I paused in case anyone was going to go after Andrew, but I don't think... Oh, wait, Kevin, you come back in? Foolproof. You're good, Kevin? You got your Bring kombucha? Him back in. Bring him back in. Okay. Got your kombucha? <laughs> I uh, like that you talk to him like he's a cat. Yeah. <laughs> well, he... He's, he's just so on, I can't finish sentences. It's got, you got to be quick. Yeah. Matt, uh, what, about, what about you? What are, some of the, what are some of the source material you are pulling from, and will it involve Hugh Jackman? Uh, it will not involve Hugh Jackman, although I, I am that. once again upset that Andrew and I both chose to tie a lot of things <laughs> to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Damn it. Um, we did not plan this. I love nope. this when this happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, listeners of the show, just proof that we don't fully run everything past each other before we jump on in here. Nah. Yeah, This man. is all fresh. <laughs> also proof that we do this two hours before we record. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to pull our story largely from the first Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur book, which was 2016's BFF's storyline. Uh, so this is Devil Dinosaur's modernization and reintroduction into Marvel canon and the first appearance of Lunella Lafayette as Moon Girl. Now, we're going to change a few beats about Devil Dinosaur's arrival in New York City, but the relationship between the two is going to follow the same arc as they form an unlikely friendship to steal back the Magic MacGuffin. Now, let's talk a little bit about comic book canon. So, like I said, Devil Dinosaur came around 1978, created by Jack Kirby, and uh, lived in a dinosaur universe, just an Earth with a bunch <laughs> of numbers where everything is dinosaurs. Hell and yeah. um, they're also like human races on dinosaur world, but they're all like prehistoric early humans. They look like monkeys. They look like monkey people. And Devil Dinosaur has his whole herd, pack, family, grouping of beasts killed by a group called the Killer Folk who are the bad monkey people. Seems lazy. Yeah, right. right? Um, (laughs) Don't don't like that, actually, the more I think about it. And he is the only one left alive. And that 
sparks a rage in him that triggers his mutation because he's actually a mutant that turns him red and gives him like human level or above human level intelligence. He then befriends a member of the small folk community uh, who are the good monkey people. His name is Moon sure. Boy and Moon Boy <laughs> and Devil Dinosaur romp around for like 30 years of Marvel canon. And then they disappear for a while after they were transported to Earth 616 and sent to the Savage Lands. They ran in with Ghost Rider. It was a whole thing. Anyway, <laughs> 2016 comes why, around. Why is it always, why is there always a, they ran up with, they had hung out with Ghost Rider for a while. Like, what is, is he like the fucking like, well, orientation leader for Marvel? <laughs> without that, without that sentence, we don't have the potential for a T-Rex bathed in flame riding a giant motorcycle. That's true. Yeah, that's fair. Or like riding a little tricycle. Like a- <laughs> that's probably the better version <laughs> of that. Anyway, okay, so jump forward to 2016, right? And we need to bring Devil Dinosaur, who is back in Dinosaur World, to Earth 616 and get him in the modern day. And the way that Marvel does that is by this girl, Lunella Lafayette, who is nine years old at the time and applying to colleges, finding this thing called the Nightstone, which she thinks is Cree technology, which is going to save her from the Terrigen Mist circling New York City because she's a new human. What's a new human, you ask? It's, <laughs> no. it's the new metal version of Inhuman, uh, where an Inhuman has a has sexual relations with a regular human, and they make a, a half Inhuman baby. They call them wait, new humans. Kevin. Why are you leaving the room, Kevin? Wait, <laughs> yeah. Kevin. No, you have to come back in. These are the story beats we're changing. We're not doing. We're not doing that. So anyway. She finds this piece of Cree technology. Turns out it's a nightstone. They've existed for millennia. And <laughs> her gym teacher at school steals the nightstone and spins it like a basketball. That opens a portal through time to Dinosaur World, <laughs> where the killer folk have beaten Moon Boy to death to steal another nightstone. Oh, and that portal warps the killer folk and Devil Dinosaur to 2016 Manhattan um, (laughs) onto the basketball court at Lunella Lafayette's high school. Again, not touching that, but needed to get it out there so you can understand where we're going, right? So we know that Eternals is going to really spark off the Marvel Universe. We're going to get some crazy shit. Not according to the reviews. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Lunella Lafayette is going to be fearful for herself of whatever the Eternals have coming. And what she is working to create is actually basically a homemade sling ring because we're going more the like nanotech science route than we are the mystical magic stones from prehistoric time. So she's trying to create a teleportation ring to help get herself and her family away from whatever incoming threat there is. And she tries to use her homemade sling ring and accidentally brings Devil Dinosaur through a portal that closes immediately (laughs) into New York City. Now, hijinks ensue for the first half of the season. And around three episodes in, all the subscribers are going to say, listen, Disney Plus, we're halfway through this series. What's it going to be about? Well, boom, episode four is where it pops off. When they introduce none other than Abomination from Shang-Chi stepping through another similar portal 
and getting in a big old fight with Devil Dinosaur. Because in the comic books, Devil Dinosaur fights Hulk, but it's totally awesome Hulk. We're not doing that either. Abomination's going to fight Devil Dinosaur, and he's going to chain him up and drag him back through the portal. Where does that portal lead? To Val. Val in <laughs> Madripoor. Fucking Madripoor. So, you sound insane. Yeah. You, is, that is unhinged. It. Listeners, he's foaming at the mouth right now. Pepe Sylvieing myself around here. Um, also, you've done a really good job in creating 1993's We're Back, a dinosaur yeah. story. Yep. This is Man. 100% what it is. Uh-huh. I had two copies of the We're Back VHS because I burned out the first one. <laughs> I'm I'm stuck on the gym teacher opening up the portal because all I can think about is Hannibal Burris as the like the gym <laughs> teacher in Spider-Man Homecoming spitting a portal open and going damn <laughs> whack, <laughs> whack. Yeah. so that's pretty much it right abomination shows up he steals devil dinosaur and they take him through this portal um and they think the portal's in Madripoor but actually he's in dinosaur jail which is under the Museum of Natural History, and that's comic book canon. That's from the book. I, I had to take it from the book. So Moon Girl, Lunella Lafayette, breaks her dinosaur out of the Museum of Natural History, <laughs> and then they take down Valid Abomination with the help of a friend who you'll meet in question three. I feel like of all the things that you just said, the one thing that I can really accept is Dinosaur Jail lives below the Museum that's, of yeah, Natural right. History. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the only thing that sounds right out of every yeah, out of all that the circle. crazy that just spilled out of your mouth. <laughs> I, I will tell you while you were saying that uh, Kevin was in the back going, hmm, yeah, all right, and like writing a lot of notes. Yeah, he was following. Specifically that part. Yeah, whatever. What? <laughs> Don't you whatever us. You just said the jail is under the Museum of Natural History. It's from the book. <laughs> no one watches. If you no would have read, read the, book. the book, Todd, you'd understand. <laughs> anyway, uh, if there's one thing that the MCU does, it's connecting threads, right? So, so you've kind of started to scratch some of this, but how does your character connect into the current or future MCU? And also, uh, Kevin made sure to have me ask, what are you going to sell as the title to your series? So, again, tell us how your story is going to seamlessly integrate uh, in your characters, what's going on either into the currently existing stories, um, and what is the title. And also, um, Kevin stepped out, but if you say that it's a multiverse thing, and that's your reason for why that just works, okay, that is a valid answer, but it is also a very cheap way out <laughs> of this question. Uh, well, good news, Todd. So... Mojo World isn't not a multiverse thing, Jesus but it's Christ. mostly it's <laughs> mostly going to be a quantum realm thing. So after after playing through, and do we know that that's different? Yes or no? Exactly. Um, so uh, wait, Ke- Kevin is is multiverse and quantum realm. We haven't decided. We're just waiting to see how things pan out. Oh, okay. Todd, no. Oh, and Todd's neck has just been broken. <laughs> Um, so after narrowly surviving the the Mojo World games, as they are called, Dazzler and Longshot escape to find that they had been held captive in the quantum realm. This pocket of the quantum realm, this this person, this thing, this being Mojo has populated and is running his media empire from, and they 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 escape. They come out through a portal somewhere. Um, maybe it's an Avengers Tower. Who cares? 
But they get on with their life, go back on the road, get to do their tour uninterrupted. And as credits roll on the, the last episode, we cut to Bruce Banner or Hank Pym or one of the one of the sciencier Avengers. One tinkering, of those nerds. One of those nerds uh, tinkering with a computer and an image with with rough audio, a rough image with with staticky audio starts to take shape on screen. And we see two combatants fighting on an arena platform again to a crowd chanting, Mojo, Mojo. Mojo, fade to black. Kyle. Todd. I like your idea. (laughs) However, I'm looking at this photo of Mojo and I've suddenly (laughs) noticed Mojo's nipples. We can air shop out the nipples if that's that's, that's the hang up here. It's it's one of them. He's not a human. He's not a human. He's a he's an alien from an alien race, a member gotcha. of the alien okay. race called the spineless. So if we need to decide the spineless don't have nipples, that's a that's a creative license I'm willing to take. Uh, quick question: Can we get a vibe check on old K Fags? Where's he? Where's he feeling right now? Um, in regards to what the Mojo's nipples or it's or, specifically? Uh, Ke- Kevin, are we are we anti pro nip? You what? You're you're good. You're good with it. <laughs> it's got to be a mocap human man. Ni- Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> say we all. Yeah, uh, Kevin. Kevin has said that Phase Five is pro uh, pro exposed nipples. Um, at least for aliens, they have to be aliens because then it's after okay. after ninety years, Kevin Feige has finally gotten Disney to change its stance on nipples on yeah, screen. Yeah, well, that's we're in a brave new world when it comes to ni- <laughs> nipples and Disney. <laughs> Andrew, what do you got? Right, so we talked about the big bad is going to be uh, the hand, and Raven and her team are going to be uh, following up the chain. So throughout the rest of the first season, it's basically Raven and Destiny, Pyro, and uh, Rogue all following the chain of command uh, of the hand all the way up to the top. And the last episode, we finally find the mysterious benefactor, who is revealed to be, wait for it, Sharon Carter. Sharon Carter. Now, Sharon Carter reveals that she'd been exiled from the U.S. after the events of Civil War. She blamed Cap and the rest of the Avengers for her losing virtually everything. Um, Sharon explains that she found in her aunt's records an old initiative that S.H.I.E.L.D. had been looking into back in the 80s with then-Senator Robert Kelly, i.e. R. Kelly. That's how we're pulling Sen- in. Senator, Ro- Senator Kelly. Or, or problematic, controversial uh, R&B artist. Senator R- Robert Kelly. We can change his name to Martin Kelly if that's better. That would be um, a, probably Kevin, a lot better. Is that better? better? You want it? Kevin says it's better. It's better. Um, I know that you didn't ask, but I'm gonna, I'm telling you that the, this has to be portrayed by Ed Begley Jr. That's just, that's non, <laughs> that's non-negotiable. Okay, yeah. So, so the way it worked is Sharon contacted the hand through back channels through in Madripoor in order to acquire the serum in hopes to use it as a way to rebuild, rebuild shield from the ground up. Um, so Sharon and Raven fight Raven stabs Sharon, ultimately killing her. And that's when we get the title card, which is also the title of the series, which is ready for it. That's so Raven. Was that Kevin? We Disney already has a property name that we can't, I'm we can't so mad. <laughs> unless, unless Raven Simone is the lead. All right. Cause I'm, because I'm 90% sure Matt's going to do a similar stupid bit 
Uh, I can I give you, you the post credits? Can I give you the post credits real quick? It's I can't. Good. I can't stop what's already started. So yeah. Uh, okay. So post credits. The post credits scene starts with Raven in some like VIP room inside the Brass Monkey. She's talking with some henchmen and responds with something badass like, "Tell General Ross the power broker doesn't take deals; he makes them." And then we hear shooting outside. And when she goes to investigate, she sees Bucky and Sam running from Madripoor guards, like in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. She smiles at the camera as we see her morph into the image of Sharon Carter. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Second. Ooh, one more, one more. Second post-credit singer. Okay. So then we go back to Irene slash uh, Destiny. She bursts into Anna Anna's room late at night. She's horrified. And her, her face is pale and white. And she sa- all she says is, Carol, stay away from Carol. That's our second post-credit stinger. Because I'm alluding to the storyline where Rogue takes Carol Danvers' powers, which is the one thing that I think we've agreed that we all really want to come out of the X-Men coming to the MCU, is we want Rogue to be stealing Carol Danvers' powers. So You're right. We've all, we've all talked at length how we want yes. that to happen. Yeah, I'm actually making a point to not comment on that because I don't want to get into it. Because I'm, I'm <laughs> <that into> it. <laughs> you have a lot of thoughts about it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the show. And, and in case you need a clean cut, the show is called That's So Raven. I didn't need the clean cut. I actually prefer we don't have the clean cut. Yeah. Uh, K-Fi says that we might have uh, a little bit of legal troubles with that one. Um, there's going to be a big payout settlement if we use that title, but we'll, we'll... non-negotiable. Who's Disney going to pay out themselves? Uh, yeah. <laughs> My, my two terms, my two terms are Ed Begley Jr. and the title. That's everything. <laughs> everything else I can waffle on. Uh, Disney contracts weren't as airtight as they are now back in the '90s. And Raven Simone actually owns an, the the IP. That's so Raven. It's, it's I think an, she does. It's an that's NFT that's that real. she owns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what it is, but it is what it is. Uh, Matt, are you going to say a lot of the same things that Andrew said? Uh, I'm going to say similar things that Andrew said in a slightly different order. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) All right, so in this six-episode run, like I said, we're going three episodes with next to nothing. And then the fourth episode, everything pops off, Abomination shows up, beats up Devil Dinosaur, drags him back to a portal to the secret dinosaur jail under the Museum of Natural History. (laughs) Right? Wild. So, episode five is our budget-saving episode, because much like the first Inhumans, we spent a lot of budget on animal CGI, so we need to save some in that fifth episode. (laughs) No devil dinosaur in the fifth episode. Sixth episode, Moon Girl breaks into the secret dinosaur jail to free devil dinosaur, but she is not able to do it alone. Why, you ask? She's a nine-year-old girl. Her age is going to be ambiguous. We're probably going to age her up a little bit, like high school, realistically. But she's she is a child, and she is a technological genius, but it's not like she's rocking Stark Tech or anything. So she's going to need some help, and she's going to need some help from a friend. But who is involved in this? We see at the beginning of Episode 6, inside the Museum of Natural History, not only is it Julia Louis-Dreyfus Val... But it is also all of the people she's already brought together. Abomination is there. John Walker is there. Yelena Bolova is there. And Sharon Carter is there as the power broker. <laughs> Banker in the whole thing. <laughs> so before uh, Lunella Lafayette shows up, most of those people leave. But John Walker being involved 
That catches the intention of a very important hero in the MCU. None other than Sam Wilson, Captain America, who is going to team up with Moon Girl to help free Devil Dinosaur, much like this rad cover of Planet Hulk that I'm putting in the dock. Uh, enjoy Captain America and Devil Dinosaur working together. It's rad and super awesome. But they're going to team up in this new movie and it's uh, or in this new TV show called Giraptin Amerasaur, colon, the city that never extincts. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's, that's <laughs> nonsense. That's gobbledygook. <laughs> but it rhymes, Kyle. It rhymes. <laughs> Giraffe in Amerisaur, the city that never extincts. It got better the second so time bad. somehow. <laughs> it's so bad that it's good that I, I love it. I don't it. think it, it is. Circle. I think it's just. I think it's just so bad. It's just. It's just bad. It's, okay. it's like. It's like a birdemic kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's like it, you just you're so you so earnestly delivered it that I like I feel like I have to give it to you. A, a little peek behind the podcast curtain. I spent maybe an hour this morning clicking through the Marvel.com list of characters, which if you've never just like done is quite a ride. And that's I, how I that's how I spent ages eleven to fourteen. Actually, yeah, right. Um, I used to put them all in PowerPoint and make PowerPoints to torture my parents. But um, I came up with like a whole list of heroes, and I just wasn't getting there. And so I was out driving around today for work, and about three hours into my shift, I stopped at a red light and I smacked my forehead and said, "Giraffe in a Marasaur, How do oh, wow. I get there?" <laughs> Here we are. Uh, I no notes. Ke- yeah, <laughs> Kevin. Kevin is speechless, um, <laughs> as you should be. You you tell the Fi she can have that idea for free. <laughs> no, he, he he knows. What's that? What's that? You know, we are, oh yeah, Matt. We aren't getting paid for any of this. So. <laughs> it's for the exposure, Kyle. Well, these these have all been three options, and and as you know, there's there's really going to be one big deciding factor. So the biggest thing with Disney Plus Day. Um, is is actually going to be tied to our super secret bonus question. So before we take a break, um, I have to throw this out there. The biggest thing about Disney Plus Day is that they start making announcements of castings. They start saying movie titles, headlining cast, and there's usually like some really big reveals. If you remember, uh, Disney Plus Day last year was one of the first times they officially acknowledged that Christian Bale was playing Gore the God Butcher. And so we are looking to capture that lightning in a bottle today. So... For the super secret bonus question, what headlining names will you be attaching to some of these major names in your property in your series? When we flash that character up on the screen, who is attached to their name? And so we will take that answer after the break. Hi, everyone. Kyle here to uh, remind you of our Patreon and just to give you a quick rundown of what joining our Patreon will get you at each tier. Uh, so for $5 a month, you'll become a card-carrying member of hashtag Nation, which includes access to exclusive Debate This premium feed featuring our D&D real play podcast, The Office Drones. Members of Butthwomp Nation will also get access to our private Discord server, where we talk about what we are playing and watching, or share cursed memes curated from the deeper recesses of the internet. For $10 a month, you'll unlock extended podcast episodes, 
behind-the-scenes content, and access to community events like movie night watch-alongs. Ever wonder what watching the Nick Cage ghostwriter over nonstop commentary by Matt would be like? Well, now you don't have to wonder anymore. And if you really want to spread the debate this love, you can join our $25 monthly tier to commission your very own flavor text. Anyone that stays at this tier for three months will be eligible to dictate our next lore deep dive. You want a book report on the deeper story behind Seven Up's cool spot? Great. How about a dramatic reading of Sonic fan fiction? Also great and a little gross. And for the rest of the month of October, if you become a new patron or move up a tier, you will receive a special spooky Debate This sticker to help sweeten the deal. And now, back to the show. All right, and we are back. So the the super secret bonus question is, what are some of the headlining names that you're attaching to these characters that are leading these series that you've presented? Uh, Kyle, why don't you go ahead? All right, so the first casting we're going to announce, which is great for uh, the Disney Corporation because it is involves some some cross-network synergy. Nice. In our titular role, playing Dazzler will be none other than Disney's own Olivia Rodrigo playing the rocker oh, superhero Dazzler. Yeah. Uh, opposite her playing Longshot, um, and this is more negotiable. We aren't settled on this entirely. Uh, we... We think Timothy Chalamet will be a great casting opposite her and we'll get get him into the MCU as well. And then to round out our our stunt casting, so to speak, uh, playing the gross, inhuman monster mojo. Kevin is be, on the edge of his seat right now. Will be um, comedian actor Danny McBride. <laughs> oh, gross. Oh, yeah, that fits. That was a good one. Yeah. Nice job. I don't like how good that is. I don't like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Andrew, what about yourself? Uh, and so, what's it? Hey, Kevin, what? what not not J-Law? Just any, anyone's not J- Okay. Um, he, he just had a very specific... He said Jennifer Lawrence a lot and shook his head. Mm-hmm. So I just yeah, wanted we're to... Not, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're good on Jennifer Lawrence for a while. Um, so playing Society the... Society said. Yeah. Uh, so playing the main character, Raven Darkholm is going to be Emily Blunt, which I'm really excited about. Uh, we haven't seen her in the MCU yet. I think she could she could do well as a very like kind of smarmy, but still very likable Raven Darkholm. And then her will-they-won't-they-love interest, which is her canon love interest in the comic, uh, Irene Adler, a.k.a. Destiny, is going to be played by Lake Bell. Now, if you don't know that name, um, Lake Bell is who voices uh, Black Widow in uh, What If?, She's a very good. I mean, she's she is a comedic actress. She's been in a bunch of like Cartoon Network stuff. She's also um, Poison Ivy in. Um, she's also Harley, Poison Ivy the Harley in Quinn. The show. very excellent Harley yeah. Quinn, which which was the basis of a lot of this <laughs> of my answer today. <laughs> um, and I think uh, her portrayal of Poison Ivy is a very good and one of the few like really I think like really really well written uh, woman 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 relationship i don't know there's probably a better way to say that sorry sapphic relationship thank you sapphic relationship the next one we've got is uh, rogue um who won't have a name because this is like an origin for her character um i've cast her as kiernan shipka who uh plays sabrina in the netflix adaptation oh. of sabrina um she's also in Mad Men when she was a lot younger 
And then rounding out our cast of the Brotherhood is going to be Asa Butterfield as Pyro. And uh, Asa Butterfield is in, in the news a lot as part of the pastiche of male UK actors who almost were Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> in addition to Timothy Chalamet. A surprisingly um, so, wide mm-hmm. field, yeah. yeah. There's like seven of them, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he's another one of those. Uh, so we're just going to get them all in. All right. We we like it. It sounds good. Um, no no glaring issues there. Um, he, he's holding up a paper that just says Jennifer Lawrence with X's through it still. It's just a lot lot going on there. A lot of bad all right. blood. There. All right, Fag. All right, Faggy. Uh, Matt, what about, what about you? What are some of these names we're going to look for? Yeah, man. So the big casting of... Giraffed in Amerisaur, the city that never extinks. Thanks for getting that again. You got it. Going to be the casting of Moon Girl because she is the one who we're going to see throughout the MCU. Like Devil Dinosaur is going to be here and there, but that's a big CGI budget. We're going to have to keep that out of a lot of movies. So we're going to get Moon Girl for the long haul. And that casting is going to be someone already on Disney's payroll from the upcoming live action Little Mermaid adaptation. Uh, It's going to be Halle Bailey. Not Halle Berry. I got those two confused for a long time. It's Halle <laughs> Bailey. Different person. I'm not familiar, but I'm in. Cool. Yeah, great. Perfect. That's all you need to know. Now, who are we going to get to do Devil Dinosaur? That's a waiting. great question. I hear you asking it. Much like uh, Rocket Raccoon is body acted on set by Sean Gunn, but then voiced by Bradley Cooper... Devil Dinosaur is going to be a tag team situation. We're going to have one person in the green suit with the rubber dots doing the motion capture for Devil Dinosaur. And we're going to have another person in the studio voicing his grapes and grunts. All right. (laughs) Who is doing that body acting? None other than already killed off MCU member Ulysses Claw, Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis is going to be doing the motion capture for Devil Dinosaur. Who is doing the voice, you may ask? Bond villain also cast in The Little Mermaid, Javier Bordem. Javier Bordem as <laughs> Devil Dinosaur's noises. <laughs> in One More Time, Giraffed in Amerisaur, The City That Never Extincts. Hi, hi, me. It's me. I have questions. Hi, I just want to point out questions. that um, when, when Benedict Cumberbatch played and voiced a giant dinosaur-like reptile, he did the mocap and voice acting himself all in all at the same time, uh, thus firmly planting him as the best actor in the MCU. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. I believe wholeheartedly that if you asked Javier Bardem to mocap for a dinosaur, he would say yes. That's what I'm saying is I don't yeah. know why you d- took that away from us. Kev- Kevin, have we asked Javier Bardem if he'll mocap as a dinosaur? We have asked him, and he hasn't gotten back to him. All right, so th- we're still waiting on that response. Completely different project we've asked him about. Um, I like the image of Andy Circus walking around his studio with his arms kind of out like a T-Rex <laughs> and like his neck like this. <laughs> because that's, that's the behind-the-scenes footage I want to see. Yeah, so there you go. There you have it. There's the casting. Those are great. Those are, I, as you're saying them, I'm imagining, I'm imagining, so sorry, I'm stepping out of the bit. I'm imagining Kevin is in front of the giant green screen at Disney Plus Day, and these things are sliding in, and he's actually giving that pitch of like, for a character this complex, 
we need two characters. <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, so back in the bit. Um, Kevin and I think that you all have given us three really, really great options. And so before we can decide, we would like to hear just some closing statements. One final pitch that you can give us to, uh, to send us home, and then we'll pitch it to the, the, the dark, shadowy beings that Kevin answers to each day and night. Yeah, so Kevin, the thing that's really hot right now no, are, you're talking to me, and then oh, I'm, I'm talking, talking to Kevin. Okay. So Tom, you don't get to talk to Kevin directly, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't talk to Kevin. For, for, please, I beg forgiveness. Um, um, so, Todd, the thing that's really hot right now is networks putting out properties, shows that are commentary on the things those networks are them, they themselves guilty of. See uh, Squid Games uh, on Netflix. I'm giving Disney the opportunity to have such a show where they can appear woke by criticizing TV, internet, culture while profiting from it at the same time. Plus, you get your very uh, your chance to make your very own Squid Games-esque set very hot, very popular right now, just helping you capitalize on the trends that are popular today. Andrew? What I mean to do, what I intend to do, is to rewrite everything that was wrong about Falcon and the Winter Soldier and give our audiences a reason why Sharon Carter had a wound in one scene (laughs) and then mysteriously did not in the next scene. We're going to retcon that. And if your buddy, the F train has any problems with the name, (laughs) tell him that that's so Raven was not the first Disney channel original series. I tried to turn into from a Marvel series, but it was certainly the best. I have a problem with the name F train. I have a problem with that. Uh, that's that's what Kevin calls himself when he rolls around with a group of problematic bachelors. <laughs> that's what that's his nickname. That's his weekend name. I don't know. It's weird. Um, Matt, I want to forget that I said any of the things I just said. Yeah, you got it. Let me sell it to you with the post post credit stinger, the one at the very end, the one that doesn't really matter to the canon. Smash cut. Fade in, lights come up, and it is the head security guard walking back into Dinosaur Jail, where, uh uh-oh, the big devil dinosaur has since broken out, and he thinks he's going to get fired. He throws down his mop, and he says something relatable to the, the people, and the camera pans around, and who do we see but Chris Pratt? Not as Star-Lord, no, but as Owen from the Jurassic World series. And it's another opportunity for variants in the MCU, baby. There you go. There you have it. Giraffed in Amerisaur, the city that never extincts. Oh. What what are we doing? <laughs> what is what is this? Where um, do we go from here? <laughs> all right, I've got to I've got to make I've got to make a choice. Um, go ahead and give yourselves uh, some good vibes while I figure this out. Um, first of all, let me start by saying, Todd, I'm glad that we are both on um the squad TikTok on our that those the the group of problematic bachelors mm-hmm. that both appear on our our TikTok for you pages. Um, Matt. Or Andrew first. Um, good good job trying to rectify the sins of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, I think um, it, it's great. I think another take at doing uh, what's her name Mystique some justice is well. It, your heart's in the right place, and and good job there, uh, Matt. You you did a Matt. You did a Matt Cole. 
Um, you, you gave us Captain Amerasaur. Don't uh, don't encourage him. <laughs> I, it doesn't matter if I do or not. He's gonna keep doing it. Yeah, you did a you did a a thing, and you somehow told we are back a dinosaur story uh, with MCU characters, and that is something special that Kevin Feige, Todd, and Andrew and I can't take away from you, no matter how hard we try. And we've tried. <laughs> Kyle, I like Mojo a lot. What a good pull. Um, I mean, I don't like Mojo, but like, I like, you know what I mean? I like any concept. You like how much you don't like him? Yeah. Uh, you, for a while, it sounded like you were kind of, uh, sketching out a Black Mirror episode. So there's a little uh, bit of, there's a little bit of Black Mirror in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know you've been watching a lot of Squid Game, so that, that (laughs) definitely like, that DNA definitely like sang pretty true. I haven't watched it yet. So yeah, no, very, very cool. I, I really like that, that idea. And it's something that has the games been... are ripped right out of the comics as well. Like that's got it. That's <clears throat> wasn't accidental either. Sure, sure. I mean, usually with with a situation like that, when it's based on you know rating system, yeah, it's a tournament arc. It's a yep, tournament. It's arc. a tournament arc. You did a tournament arc. Matt, also great job. Uh, I really like Devil Dinosaur. I really, really like Devil Dinosaur. It's stupid. It's really <laughs> stupid. But but so you know, are comics. So are comics, and the art is really cool. And if you look at any cover of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, all the covers are really, really good. So good pull. Also, um, man, I want Dinosaur Jail. I want Dinosaur Jail. I want it. Give it to me. I want it. Yeah, Kyle, I also really like Mojo. That was a wild pull. I've never heard of him, but um, this this one particular picture you put in our note of him pulling his eyes open with a sign that says applause is awesome. Um, that cool. is that is a, a like standard look for Mojo. Um, he's ba- he's ba- he he was concepted after someone watched an interview, a few interviews of like Noam Chomsky talking about how awful television is going to be in the future, and then an interview with the creator of Clockwork Orange, and he's like, I like all of that, and made Mojo. Oh. Yeah. Shit, that totally looks mm-hmm. like the main character yeah. in that scene in Clockwork Orange. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, no. that's where I've seen that before. Yep. <laughs> um, Got it. But yeah, that's really cool. And I I like the idea of Dazzler and um, Longshot like palling around together as a punk rock crime solving duo. That rips. <laughs> I'm super into it. it. That rips for sure. Andrew, Days of Future Past, best X-Men movie. Do it again. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, why not? We'll do it differently. Listen, crazy that you and I both came here to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier today. (laughs) Absolutely bananas. (laughs) It's so rare that I want to talk about Captain America and the Winter Soldier, and the fact that we both did it today is unreal. Digital high five. And also both how we wanted to to rewrite Sharon Carter, because I think that was the biggest travesty of that show. Yeah, nobody caught the shaft in that show quite like Sharon Carter. Maybe the the Flag Smashers who had even well. less plot points, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, good times. I would watch all of these shows. Would I enjoy them? Who's to say? But I'd watch them. I would enjoy them more than What If. Oh, oh hot take. Much like Captain, much like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, there was at least an hour and a half of good What If. Yeah. Yeah. I... Well, we'll we'll talk after. We'll, we'll, get, into that. we'll get into that in the after in the after. If you show. want to get more of the post show yeah. good vibes, 
check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash debate this cast where I will share the other Disney show that I thought about doing, which is way worse. <laughs> um, all, all of that said, uh, Kevin and I have, we've come to a conclusion. We've come to a decision together. And he did want to say, he wanted to let you all know that these are three very viable options for Disney Plus runs. <laughs> really viable the more I thought about it. Um, however, the issue here is that at Marvel, we have a very strict six-year minimum before we go back and make old movies better. And so we can't allow any new products to fix a movie until it is at least six years old. Uh, see Thor The Dark World, see Avengers Age of Ultron. And for that reason... Days of Future Past came out in 2014. So. That is not a Marvel property. <laughs> <laughs> no one talks about that because that was Hugh Jackman's wonderful time-traveling ride. <laughs> anyway, all this is to say that, Kyle, you, in fact, are the winner today. Um, and, however, we are, only, we are only doing your Disney Plus show if Danny McBride does play Mojo. That is... That is the 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 biggest linchpin. Um, we took some risks with big CGI monsters in Loki. We think we can nail it again, and we want to make it happen. My my people have been in contact with Danny McBride, and he is on board. If the the F train is on board, um, with the, the stipulation, <laughs> with the stipulation, he wants to ride with that problematic group group of bachelors. So mm-hmm. that yeah. they call the squad. That they call um, the squad. So with that said, that's going to be our episode. Uh, Thanks for listening to Debate This. You can follow along with the arguments on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DebateThisCast or on our website at DebateThisCast.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Thomas. Um, I'm Kyle. Canonically, Mojo is responsible for the 1980s Howard the Duck movie, Harper. (laughs) I'm Andrew Feige, dollar footlongs, Henderson. And I'm Matt, the Grandmaster, reclined on a rail with his shirt unbuttoned, Cole. (laughs) And we're saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds.